Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Loosehead Podcast with me, Jeff Neville. This season of the podcast focuses entirely on the coaching side of the game, discussing topics like creating a positive environment, focusing on the process, overcoming ego, and dealing with the wins and losses that come with the sport. A different coach will join me every week to share their expertise and experience, and this week I'm delighted to welcome Noel McNamara, who is coaching the Ireland Under-20s and is the Leinster Academy Manager. Noel, thanks a million for taking the time to come on the podcast. How's life? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all, Jeff. Yeah. Thanks very much for having me on. No hassle at all. You have a huge wealth of experience, and I'd like to tap into some of that today to help educate other coaches, if you don't mind. So the first question I'd like to ask is not how you got into coaching, but why do you coach? Yeah, I suppose it's uh, yeah, it's a good question, to be honest. Um, I think, I suppose, ultimately, I, I love unlocking potential in others. I, I you know, I'm obviously uh, originally a teacher, um, you know, and I think, you know, I would see a pretty clo- close correlation between teaching and coaching, trying to unearth the potential um, in, in other people. And, uh, you know, sometimes unearthing potential in other people that they never knew that they even had themselves. And I suppose that's the thing that appeals most to me about coaching. Um, you know, it's a an opportunity to work with a, a group of people who, you know, collectively can become something far greater than they would ever be capable of as an individual. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the, the main motivation. Um, I, I love, I suppose I love all the parts that go with it, really. You know, I love the on-pitch stuff, um, you know, and, and, and coaching day-to-day. And equally, I suppose, I, I, I enjoy working with people. Um, you know, and it is very much a, a, a people, a people business, a people industry, and I suppose I, I enjoy that challenge of of, uh, of of working with different people, both players and and, and also uh, I suppose other coaches and 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 sports staff that's, that that work with players. The way you described it there makes it sound like it doesn't matter if you were coaching an under twelves team or a senior team; you're just happy to be coaching. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one. You know, I think I. I said last year that, uh, you know, I love coaching and, and I, I enjoyed coaching the under-13 team in Clongos as much as I enjoyed their 20s. And, and uh, you know, I honestly mean that, you, you know, I can, it, it's not necessarily about the, uh, about the end point. It, it, it's, it's about the, the process and it's about the journey. And, and uh, you know, you can experience that with, with any group, really, um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I, you know, I've got I've got three young kids at home, um, and uh, you know, I enjoy trying to uh, trying to educate and coach them as much as anything else. But yeah, definitely, I think regardless of whether I was involved with um, with the academy or involved with the the you know the Ireland under twenties, I, I think I would be coaching. And uh, you know, if it wasn't rugby, I think it would be uh, in in another sport. Um, it, it's definitely something that I'm passionate about. It's something that uh, that I genuinely enjoy, and uh, yeah, hope to continue doing it for a long time. From the teaching perspective, do you still find yourself almost in the classroom mode? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I do. I can slip into it at times. Um, I, I honestly believe if I went back and taught, I'd be a significantly better teacher than I was when I was teaching, um, which is uh, kind of a, a, an interesting point, I suppose, because, you know, I've learned more about how people learn. I've learned more about maybe some of the... Uh, you know the different uh, different strategies that that can be employed, but uh, you know having a background in 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 teaching and learning and and uh, understanding how how people can you know can can process information and and transfer that into you know knowledge into understanding and understanding into you know intelligence or the ability to act on it is definitely an advantage. Um, you know, but I would say I've I've probably mellowed quite a bit um, over the course of of uh, of the last few years and. 
you know, I, I, I think I, I would say about, you know, the current generation, they're no better or no worse. There's a great phrase used by, uh, by Bill Beswick because at a conference a couple of years ago. You know, the current generation are no better or no worse than previous generations, but they are different. Um, and I think that's something you have to embrace as well, you know. So maybe something that you did 10 years ago, um, bearing in mind I'm, I'm coaching almost 15 years now. Um, so things that I did 10 years ago, I probably look back and cringe a little bit. And uh, kind of think, geez, what was I, what was I thinking there, or how did I think that was the best way? But you know, that's part of the experience as well, I suppose. And at the time, that's that's the way it needed to be. But um, yeah, to answer your question, do I do I flick back into to teacher mode? Um, I think you're always a, a teacher, but I think that my style of teaching and how I go about my business might be very different than it was maybe a number of years ago. You've worked with an insane number of young, talented players over the years, and it's these young players that I'd like to actually discuss first. You must have seen some of the same strengths and weaknesses cropping up again and again. What strengths do all these young players that you coach have in common? Yeah, there are, I suppose. It's it's maybe not not even strengths. I think you probably look at it from maybe characteristics. Um, I've seen, you know, you're absolutely right. I've been involved in coaching Leinster teams since 2010. So that's, you know, 10 years uh, going, going on 11 now. And, you know, within that first group, you had people like Josh van der Fleer, Tom Daly, Tom Farrell, Ed Byrne, Brian Byrne, uh, Owen Masterson, Dave Shanahan. You know, a huge number of players who went on and, and have had, you know, extremely successful careers. And you can see that all the way through. I, I think the way I would look at it now is, um, you know, maybe maybe they share some characteristics um, rather than, rather than anything else. And, you know, what, what are the characteristics? It's hard to get away from the fact that they've tended to be very hardworking and they've tended to have a huge capacity for, uh, for hard work. Um, you know, some of the hardest working, working players that I've worked with have tended to be the most successful as well. Um, tend to have a, a high level of game intelligence. Um, tend to have a, a high level of, of general fitness. Um, you know, I worked with Paul O'Connell a couple of years ago and he had a great phrase, a fitter player is a better player. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's definitely particularly true. Um, so, yeah, it, it's probably around the character, the characteristics. It's around their capacity, capacity to work, capacity to continually improve. Um, and and I, would, I would also suggest that it's not necessarily the most talented players that have gone on and, and, and had the most successful careers. Um, it, it, it's, it, you know, I've seen many very talented players probably... Um, you know, peak at, at, at different stages because maybe they they lacked that, um, you know, some of those characteristics that might be required or indeed, you know, it wasn't necessarily for them. Uh, you know, they've gone on and been very successful in, in other areas of life and, and, and in other professions, which, uh, you know, is obviously, obviously perfectly fine as well. These are characteristics that actually require no talent at all. It's just showing up on time, like working hard, working on your craft, trying to learn. Like none of these things actually require you to be talented at sport. So would you say that that mindset first of hard working, if you don't have that, then afterwards you can forget about it regardless of how much talent you have? Or do you think there's some threshold where talent will carry you through, but just for a while? Yeah, it, it's, it's, an interesting, um, it's an interesting challenge. You know, I would definitely say if we talk about capability, character and capacity, um, you know, we, we, we use those three C's. Um, I definitely think um, character can compensate for a lack of capability. I think the capacity can, can compensate as well. Um, I've rarely seen capability compensate for a lack of character or a lack of capacity. 
Um, now, there's there's no point in pretending that you don't have to have a certain level of ability and, and you don't have to have talent, you know, absolutely. But above a certain level of competition, um, I refer back to, to, to Bill Beswick again, you know, he spoke about talent and character. But above a certain level of competition, um, character becomes more important than talent. And, you know, you, you would select an A-grade character and a B-grade talent over the opposite. Um, because ultimately it's about, you know, when you get to that certain level of competition, it's about your ability to, to adapt. It's about your ability to, to, be, uh, to be resilient. It's about your ability to, to, to persevere. It won't always be, uh, be rosy. It won't always be perfect. Um, you know, we, we take a great example of, 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 uh, of someone like, like James Ryan, you know, and there's an example of somebody who I would argue has, has the greatest capacity or one of the, the highest capacities for work I've seen. You know, someone like James, there was a period in his career where he never lost a professional rugby game. But what people forget is, you know, James suffered a you know, significant hamstring injury um, in, in his first year playing for Leinster. Um, he was obviously out injured for quite a while. He did, you know, at times a challenging uh, schoolboy career. Uh, you know, his last year in schools, they got knocked out in the quarterfinal um, to a, a brilliant Clongos team, I believe. Um, but, you know, he, he would have suffered quite a number of, of setbacks. And it was his, his ability to respond to those and, and persevere through those. You know, everyone just saw the, the, the player who, who won 26 games in a row and, you know, won a, a Grand Slam and won a Champions Cup, won a Pro 14, and maybe didn't understand all that had preceded it. Um, you know, equally, he now is a challenge at the moment with his shoulder injury. But knowing the character that he is, knowing um, the characteristics that he has, I've absolutely no doubt in my mind that he's going to come back um, stronger from that experience and and uh you know we'll we'll, we'll see him back on the pitch uh, a, a better version of himself it's almost like that iceberg effect where people only see the top but they don't see everything underneath the surface that you have to go through as well yeah absolutely and and uh, you know we, we talk about that in player development sometimes uh, you know the people talk about the helicopter parenting and and uh the, the snowplow parenting is something that only mcnamara plays with that it, you know if you actually remove all the obstacles from a player's path that you know you don't actually develop that resilience you don't actually develop the ability to i suppose to deal with some of the setbacks and i think all the best understand that failure is part of the journey um you know success is never final failure is never fatal um you know it's how you respond that matters and uh you know i, I would firmly believe in that you, you know this it, it, no, no failure, no injury, no one singular event can define you. It's, it's ultimately how you respond to that, whether that be success or whether that be failure. Um, and you're absolutely right. A lot of the time, you know, we see what comes out the other end, and and uh, we see the the performance on a on a Saturday night, and and we think, geez, that guy's really talented. Um, I, I I tell a story about uh, Chris Rock. Uh, Chris Rock, obviously the the famous comedian, but. Chris Rock used to go to a, a dingy club in, in uh, New Brunswick in New Jersey and uh, he used to go in with a yellow legal pad with all his jokes written down on it. And uh, he'd go to the open mic and he'd start telling jokes and he'd look at how people reacted, when did they laugh, how did they respond to him, what was their body language like. He'd review his performance and he'd rewrite his jokes. He'd go back in the following night and he'd do exactly the same thing. And this process could take, could take 50 nights. And then he goes on, uh, you know, Conan... Conan uh, O'Brien, or he goes on on uh, presents the the Oscars, and I was like, "Geez, Chris Rock's naturally funny. He's just a really funny guy." Whereas the reality is, Chris Rock has spent a huge amount of time honing his craft, making sure that he's got it right, and it's been practiced and drilled. Um, you know, looking at reaction, adapting, and so on. 
And uh, I think it's 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 a great example of why sometimes all we see is kind of that the last part of it, and we assume it's just a, a huge amount of natural ability and natural talent. And uh, the truth is, it's actually you know a hell of a lot more than that. I know that it's a coach's job to guide players and to give them a strategy, to give them a tactic um, overview of the game and stuff. But when it comes to that hard work, I mean, a coach will motivate a player to a certain point, but do you think that it's a coach's role to motivate them fully or does a player need to have that inbuilt in them themselves? No, absolutely. You, you know, ultimately, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to come from the player. You know, it's the coach's responsibility to create an environment where the player can, can achieve his potential. That's the coach's responsibility. Um, you know, and there are times where, you know, motivation will, will form part of that. And, and uh, you know, but ultimately, it's, it's the player that, that, that it has to come from them. You know, they're the one that crosses the line on a, on a, on a Friday night or on a, on a Saturday. And, and uh, you know, I'd be pretty, pretty clear on that, um, you know, and, and to the point that I think in terms of motivation as well, I think the more a player feels that they're part of that process, the more a player feels that they own within that process, and the more motivated they're going to be, and, and ultimately the more successful they're going to be. Um, you know, what's a, a coach's job? A coach's job is to make himself obsolete. A coach's job is to get players to a, a point where, you know, they're they're um, they're making these decisions for themselves. They're 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 motivated. They're achieving that self actualization. Just on the failure side of things, I was chatting to Andy Friend about how failure is seen, and we're both big believers in that failure can be a great teacher. But younger players can be afraid of making a mistake or of deviating from a structure or a game plan, even if it's the right decision. How do you go about erasing the fear of failure in young players? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting concept, really, isn't it? Like I, I think it's the it's almost the the stigma of mistakes. It's 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 uh, understanding, and we actually we categorize mistakes into different categories. So we'll talk about stretchers. We'll talk about high stakes mistakes. Uh, we'll talk about um, you know sloppy mistakes. And I think the best way I could describe it is you know if you can get to a, a stage where we will not tolerate efforters so if the solution to something is you need to work harder well then shame on you as a player um if the solution is a skiller well then that's up to up to me as a coach and up to you as a player to work and to find a solution to that um so we we, we would i think it's 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 not um it's embracing it it's it's understanding that mistakes are part of the process it's i would use the analogy as well of of uh, of a fracture you know if you break your arm um at that point, it's weak, it's vulnerable, but when it heals, it's significantly stronger. Um, and and you know you, you you know you rarely make the fracture the same place twice. So it's you know it's it's having that mindset and that attitude around mistakes. And and you know as coaches, I had a bit of learning to go on that and and uh, how we embrace this and and how we understood the value of them. I suppose I also believe my my challenge as a coach is to ensure that you don't continue making the same mistakes. So it's one thing making a mistake once, twice. Okay, well, you know, I've got to be able to find a, a, a solution for you. If the player is then being highlighted and it's been worked on and continues to same, make the same mistake, well, then maybe that's telling us something about the player as well. So yeah, I, I think it's how we, I think it's how we frame that. And, and I mentioned already the coach's responsibility around the environment. Um, you know, the 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 actual environment that we create is so important, and and having. Having the, the a, a safe enough environment where making mistakes is is uh, is is okay, with the understanding that they're going to be used to make us better. In what you mentioned about the effort and the skill, 
what about if a player tries something because they see it's on and ultimately it doesn't come to fruition? Is that a case of, you know what, you saw what was on, you tried what was on, and it's it's not really your fault it didn't come off, it was still the right decision? Yeah, it, it, it's... it's um... It's really a, a significant challenge, isn't it? Because obviously, if uh, if it's a high stakes game, and and that's where we talk about high stakes mistakes, um, there tends to be uh, an outcome based analysis of those moments. Um, whereas the reality is, you've got to try and keep a process based analysis of things like that. So, like exactly as you say, let's say we're we're playing, we're we're attacking in the score zone. Um, they've gone to fifteen defenders in the front line, and you know the out half or one of the centres drops the ball onto his foot and he puts a, he puts a grubber kick through. Um, you know, the ball overruns and it goes dead. So it's it's uh, it's obviously possession turned over. So is that a good decision or is that a bad decision? Well, you got to weigh it up. You know, ultimately, if the space was there, you've got to be prepared to say, well, I back your decision to put the ball into the space because in that moment, that was the best space. You don't know, you know, there can be a trade-off as well. Later on in the game, the defence may be far less likely to uh, go to a 15-0. They might be far less likely to go aggressively on the edges because they know you're, the option is there. So you might actually have what I would term a successful failure as well. Um, but I think if you base it on the outcome, then you say that was a poor decision. Um, and as a consequence, the players are less likely to do that in the future. Um, so, yeah, that is how I would phrase it. I also like to talk about strong decisions. For me, we make a decision and we make it a strong decision by having conviction in it. So it's not necessarily categorized as good decision, bad decision. It was a strong decision. There are times when we talk about, okay, well, you know, could you talk me through what you saw that influenced that? And as long as you're able to rationalize, well, you know, I saw the winger coming up. I saw there was space in behind, so therefore I put in the kick. Then absolutely no problem. Um, but I do have a problem. We played a cup final once and uh, I remember reviewing a game afterwards just before half time. Uh, the opposition had to kick a goal and, and uh, you know, the ball went wide inside our, uh, our 22 and the fullback decided, sorry, inside the dead ball, fullback decided to have a run. I asked him afterwards, I said, oh, what, why, did, why did you run that? He was like, oh, I hadn't had a run in a while. I just wanted to have a crack. And uh, that's probably an example of, uh, of maybe not a great decision. You know, if it was based on the fact that, oh, well, I thought they had a fractured chase and, uh, you know, I recognised that there was a tight head in front of me and I wanted to take him on. Well, then I'll back you all day and night. So it comes down to making the correct decision for the team. Yeah, I think the correct decision. Yeah, exactly. Correct decision for the team. Things are, are within context as well, I suppose, particularly in those high stakes games. They're making decisions if they've seen something and they have a, you know, a, a reason for doing what they did. Regardless of the outcome, you've got to be able to say, yeah, that was a good decision. And then it's a, it's a skill. You know, if, if the ball was kicked dead or if the player... Um, you know, I showed an example actually of of, uh, of Jack Goodhue during the week, where um, you know the Crusaders have been hammering away, but Goodhue had been scanning the space, scanning the space, scanning the space. He got the ball and he put in a left-footed kick that went in on the full. Now I would back Jack God Goodhue day and night with that decision because he'd scanned the space. The Blues' backfield was a little bit exposed. Now it was a skiller because he kicked the ball in on the full. So therefore, like, okay, well maybe this week, Jack, we need to do a little bit of work on our left-footed uh, grubber kicks. Um, but, you know, back your decision 100% to, to, to do what you did. It's a case of right decision, poor execution. So you can't really fault the player for that, I suppose. Yeah, ex exactly. I think you can highlight to the player that, you know, the execution needs to be better. You know, we talk all the time about, about accuracy and improving the accuracy of what we do. But you can't fault the decision 
um, if 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 uh, if the player had had a strong rationale for doing it. And if you do, if you do base it on the outcome, well, then you got to understand that you're going to have an effect on that player a little bit down the line, where he's less likely to attempt to do that um, because you know ultimately maybe he's been hung out to dry as a consequence. You know, you, you look at the, the Ireland England game. Um, uh, last year, I think it was, where George Cruz looked to put in uh, in a grover kick. Um, obviously, England had identified space in the backfield. So what do you say to George Cruz? You know, do you say, listen, you were really clued into the game plan and you really understood what we were trying to do? Or do you hammer him for putting in a kick as a second row? Um, it, it's, it's, it's a fine line. You know, for me, I would be saying, you know, George Cruz, if, if you have the ability to put that ball in there and you recognise the space, you were really dialed into what we were trying to do collectively as a team, well then, fair juice. As I said earlier, you've experience with the Leinster A team as well, which offers an opportunity for young players or players returning from injury or players who are on the fringes of the senior team to prove themselves. While some players are delighted to be involved, I imagine sometimes for guys with maybe lots of senior rugby experience, it can be a difficult place for them. Can that be a difficult place to manage to motivate those players or to maybe judge the best roles for them yeah yeah again it's 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 a great challenge to have to be honest about it you know ultimately you view it as an opportunity you know anytime you get an opportunity to play for Leinster it, that's exactly what it is and, and you got to make the most of it again I suppose it's about creating the right environment it's about ensuring that the players have the right level of challenge and the right level of support so you know for example if you had a a senior 10 coming down, you know, they'd, they'd probably have a lot more responsibility in terms of running the game and in terms of what we did than maybe a, a, a 10 coming out of, of the centre of excellence might have or somebody coming straight out of school. So it's about giving them the right support, giving them the right level of challenge. Um, you know, it's, it's about providing the right environment for, for those players. And ultimately, you know, when you talk about creating the, the, right, the right level of environment, it's about... I suppose trying to create a, a space where they can achieve what they want to achieve. And it's exactly the same with the Ireland under-20s. You know, there's a group of the Ireland under-20s. There's some there that their their ambition is to play for the Lions. There's other guys there. It's their ambition to get into an academy. For some guys, their ambition is this is going to be the highest level of rugby they'll ever play at. And they want to have memories that they make their family proud of and they make, they make themselves proud of. So you've got to try and create that environment where, you know, each person can achieve what they want to achieve while still ensuring that the team comes first and that's the big challenge because if you've got people coming in and say well you know my my ambition here my goal is that i'm gonna have 35 carries in this well maybe that isn't what's best for the team um so it's it's trying to strike the balance in in all of that i think is is uh, is the challenge um jeff and and uh, you know i think ultimately understanding as well and, and being um on un, un, uh, unwavering in that any any opportunity you get to play for leinster is a significant one and uh, you know I wouldn't be downplaying that whether you're a senior player or whether you're uh, a first capper that's totally fair I mean like I grew up supporting Munster and like I didn't have the talent nor the skill nor the size nor you name it to to to, to line out but I think if I ever did get that chance regardless of what level it would have been I would have been thrilled I suppose to play so I don't think we you can downplay kind of the honour it is to play for your team regardless of the level but is that Leinster 18 can it be a challenging place sometimes just because maybe of the level of player you're dealing with like it could be a player who could light the world on fire tomorrow but because maybe they're just coming back from injury or maybe just out of form 
they feel like, oh, I don't want to be here. Does, has that ever happened? Um, yeah, I, I, to, to be honest, it, it's it's not something I, I would have experienced a huge amount of. Uh, you know, I think we've we've had a, a really good um, a really good environment over the last couple of years, and we've had a a really good number of players. And obviously, there is there is turnover, and and I think you know with with a, a club like. Uh, like Leinster, it's understanding as well. You know, at some point during the season, um, you know, last season I think 50, 50 plus players would have played um, senior caps for Leinster. It's understanding that your opportunity will be coming. Um, you know, it's understanding that this plays an important part in 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 you achieving what you want to achieve. It's important for the club. The senior coaches will be there, and they'll be reviewing the game. Um, you know, there's an opportunity for us to win win some some silverware as well. You know, last year. There's, three, there's only three trophies that the Leinster Senior Group can win. You know, you can win the Champions Cup, the Pro 14 and the Celtic Cup. So, you know, there was a, a responsibility, I suppose, within that as well and the pressure within that to to um, put our best foot forward um, within that. But, you know, I, I think there there was a, a phrase in, in, in the, the Ryder Cup European team, um, the last Ryder Cup, and, and it was leave your ego at the door. And uh, that's definitely something that we would look to do as as a group of people, and not not as a group of players, or not as a group of of uh, of anybody really. But you know, I've I've seen Sean O'Brien has played for the A's and has been absolutely fantastic. You know, British and Irish line, one of the best Irish players ever, one of Leinster's greatest players. So it, it's it's uh, you know one of one of the values as as a club is 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 uh, is, is being humble. Um, you know, and that's having the humility to recognise that you can always get better. You can always improve regardless of, of, of where you're playing. There's also a responsibility to some of the younger players, you know, and the senior players take that seriously. You know, when when they go down and, and maybe you're a senior player playing with a group that there's an academy player or maybe uh, somebody from the Centre of Excellence uh, uh, involved in, in, in that group as well. You know, there is a responsibility that comes with that. So, you know, I suppose I, I would say it as, as my role to ensure that we're all aware of that. We're aware of the opportunity that we have. We're aware of the responsibility that we have playing for Leinster as well. And, um, you, you know, I would hope that's something that, that has been evident and, and, and reflected in, 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 in some, of, uh, some of the performances that that team has put in. So would it be fair to say if you had a team where, let's say, I don't know, Team A, let's say, for example, LA is probably the wrong team to pick, judging because I'm about to say AA, but yeah. if you had, let's say, um, I don't know, Team Window, let's say, and you had guys dropping down to play window A who were unhappy. Would you say that that would be more a reflection of the, the total team's environment rather than just that player? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's ultimately if you put on a, a team jersey, it's a reflection of that team. So, like, you know, for, for, for me, I would consider uh, the under-18s, the under-17s, the under-19s a reflection of Leinster. Um, and it's really important. And, and, you know, we would buy into that as, as a club, you know, and, and the leadership at the top of the club is really important. You know, people like Leo Cullen, Sure Lancaster take a huge interest in in, uh, in the young players coming through in, in, in player development. And not just in the A's, but also in, you know, the under 20s, the, the 19s, the 18s and, and, and so on. So, you know, for, for me, we're, we're all part of, of the same the same club. It's not... You know, if you're representing the A's, you're representing Leinster. We don't necessarily differentiate that, oh, this is an A game now, we can take it handy here. Or, you know, we play the same game, a lot of the same principles apply and a lot of the same expectations and responsibilities apply as well. And we're pretty unwavering in that, as as I would, you know, expect the same, uh, you know, albeit it might be slightly different, but apply to the Leinster schools. Um, you know, and, and that would have been, 
you know, I, I coached, was lucky enough to coach at Leinster Schools for five years and would have had people like Shane Jennings speak to the group, Leo Cullen present jerseys, speak to the group, uh, Joe Schmidt in his time when he was coach, um, you know, would have come down and presented jerseys down in Ternure and spoken to the group about what it meant to play for Leinster and, and, and so on. So I, I think it's really, really important that, that they, they feel that connection and that that, that connection is, 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 uh, is meaningful. Um, you know, so, yeah, in, in, in a roundabout way, I, I, I think for me, it just, I just, it's, it's, it's not acceptable really, to be honest about it, to treat it in any other way as, as anything other than an opportunity to represent Leinster and to put your best foot forward. And, you know, if you're coming back from injury, well, obviously you might be limited in your minutes. You'd be limited in terms of maybe some of the sharpness that you would have. You won't be limited in terms of the efforts that you'd be expected to put in. Just coming back to what you mentioned about aims and objectives for the team. Every year around February and March, you'll hear senior international players repeat the line of we're not thinking about a Grand Slam after they've won two or three games. But something I really enjoyed last year, when talking about approaching the Grand Slam with the under-20s, you gave an interview and you said that you as a team weren't afraid to talk about it and that it was never a banned word. When it comes to aims and objectives, do you think it's best just to be open and honest about them from the off? Yeah, it's really interesting, right? So, like, for me, that's an ambition. So, like, you've got to be ambitious. You've got to be ambitious to win every game you play. Um, now, that's not our purpose. Our purpose as a group or our why as a group isn't. We're not necessarily there to to just win a game, um, you know. And, and that purpose and that, uh, you know, that why for the group will be different for, for every group. You know, and last year's group would have identified their own purpose and their own individual why and, and our collective why. But it was always our ambition to win games. And there was never any fear of, you know, at any point in, t- in terms of, of talking about it. You know, we're pretty muted at the end of that France game. I, I would say in the changing rooms afterwards, albeit they, they had won the Six Nations, but it was very much a case of, you know, next week we get an opportunity to do what, you know, a lot of teams don't get that opportunity, let alone achieve it. So let's make sure we, we go after it. Um, you know, I, I think it was probably around after the Italian game, it, it kind of first came to light. So I wouldn't say we were saying, bouncing around and talking about it, you know, week one. It was very much a case of, OK, well, what is our purpose as a group? What, 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 what is our why? What drives us? Um, in the background, there's always the ambition and the players. Ultimately, it's about the players as well. It's what they want. Like, it can be my ambition uh, can be to do X, Y, or Z. But unless the players actually have that, then, you know, we're paddling in different directions. Um, it's about us, you know, when all the noses are pointing in the same direction, it's a hell of a lot easier to achieve anything meaningful. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of what, the, the way I would look at it. But, you know, I remember the um, first group I, I had in Clongos, we, we, we did a season plan and uh, the season plan ran up to the 17th of March. And um, someone said to me, said, well, you know, it's a bit presumptuous, isn't it? You know, why don't we just plan until the, the 29th of, of January? Um, and the answer is pretty simple is because we're planning on being in the cup final and we're planning on winning it and that's our mindset that's something that I find brilliant because it always annoys me after maybe two games of the Six Nations the player will say oh we're not thinking about the Grand Slam yet but surely that ambition is why you're playing the competition in the first place yeah 100% and I, and I think that's that's probably the, the, the stock answer really Jeff isn't it you, you know I, I think Maybe the best way. Of oh, don't training. don't don't get me wrong. I know it's drilled in by the by you know the coaches and stuff. You know, not to mention it, but at the end of the day, like if you're if you're playing with Ireland or England or whatever, like you're in that competition to win it. End of. Otherwise, why not? 
why not just not play it, you know? 100%. And, and that's, that's why I, go, I would go back to the ambition. It's the ambition of the group to win it. When you're within the competition, you got to understand, and I think we've already touched on this a little bit, it's about the process. So if, if you win game one and then immediately you're talking Grand Slam, you run the risk of slipping up somewhere along the line, you, you know, and there's some pretty tricky tests. You know, Scotland finished uh, bottom of the group last year in the Six Nations. Um, we had a really, really tricky game against them in game two away in Gala Shields where, you know, the game really wasn't put to bed until kind of very late in the game. We didn't get a bonus point in that game. So I think you've got to respect the process as well. And I think that's what you're getting in a lot of those circumstances. So it's probably a more honest way of saying, yeah, listen, absolutely, that's the ambition of the group. But we're very much focused on the process and we're very much focused on what will allow us to achieve that. And immediately in, 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 our, uh, in our sights is the next game, which, you know, whatever that game happens to be. Do you ever work backwards from that ambition with your teams? As in... You'll say, right, our ambition is to win, let's say, the Grand Slam, for example. So you work backwards from that to say, in order to do that, we're going to have to beat every team. In order to do that, we're going to need a big squad. We're fully clued in, et cetera, et cetera. Do you ever use that route? Or is it a case of starting from the beginning all the time and going from there? Yeah, I tend to be more focused on on, uh, on the process. I, I think one of the things I would say on, on that is, you know, you've got to look at things that you can control. Um, first and foremost. So we talk about things, you know, we talk about three different things. We talk about things that, uh, you know, you can influence, you can control, and you can't control. And ultimately, you know, we can influence winning um, winning the Six Nations, but there's no point in us placing all our emphasis on that because, you know, ultimately we don't control it. So you got to look at things that you do control and placing the emphasis on the things that you do control. So what do you control? Well, you control the present, you control your efforts, you control yourself. You control how you turn up for training every day. You control the, the work that you do off the pitch. Um, you control how you train. There's lots of other stuff that we can influence. You know, we can influence other people. We can influence, um, you know, our, our, our uh, group around us. We can influence the opposition. We can influence the opposition through, or sorry, the referee through some of our behaviours and our interactions with him. But to me, it'll come back to placing the most emphasis on what we can control. Um, because what we can control ultimately will dictate what we can achieve. Everything you can control or everything a player can control comes back to leading that situation. I suppose it comes back to me to the idea of leadership versus captaincy. For me, a lot of the time, a captain is someone who talks to the referee. But like, don't get me wrong, they're a leader as well, but it shouldn't fall on their shoulders. To me, real leadership is someone who isn't a captain, but takes complete ownership of everything they have to do in a game and will pull someone up if they're not putting in the same effort. Would you think that they're two separate entities within a team or do you see captaincy and leadership as essentially the same thing? No, I, I definitely wouldn't see them as, as being the same thing. And, and I think you're right in, in a lot of what you say there. You know, ultimately, you know, we would try and grow the leadership in everybody, try and grow the leadership of everybody in the academy, grow the leadership of everybody um, within within the 20s as well. And I think, you know, what you said, leadership starts with self. It's about leading yourself. Um, it's about ensuring that you, um, you know, present the best version of yourself. It's about you adhere to the, the highest possible standards of which you're capable of doing. And, and uh, understanding that is is really really important leadership is is uh you know doing what you said you were going to do um and uh, you know there's there's lots of things we would look to do to develop people within that i i think for me personally the captaincy is overplayed um i think the role of the captain is overplayed in particularly in a game like like uh, like rugby and we would have worked hard at trying to create a support 
for for um, you know how how can a captain who plays on the left wing captain in the same way as a hooker or 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 a, or, or, or a loose head? Um, and that's not to say that one is more effective than the other. Um, so for me, it's about creating a leadership support system um, within a team. And, and you know we would have a leadership group with, with a member from each line in the team. So we would have a you know front row lock, loose forward, um, you know kind of nine, ten centers and, and back three. Um, and one from from each of that group, and and uh, you know ultimately they're there to make the captain's job easier. They're there to support them, and and sometimes, you know, a ten if he's a captain, he can't really tell whether the mall is about to, to to crack. You know, fuck, we have them here. We can we can we can crack them on on, on this next one. You know, the, the 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 player, the type five player, is a much better feel for that. So it's about having a, a you know a rounded support structure. Um, I would say rather than all the responsibility on one player. So, yeah, definitely, I, I would say leadership goes, uh, you know, as a responsibility for everybody to develop. I think, you know, within a, a, a sport and, and, and a game like rugby, you can develop a, a core group to really support each other in, in, uh, in, in, being, um, in being effective. And, uh, you know, it's not... I think we love the great speeches and the great orators. The reality is, um, you know, that responsibility, I think, needs to be... Uh, shared amongst a, a group of people, you know, and, and that's certainly something that we would have, have, have looked to do and, and look to, uh, I suppose, create that support structure for a captain where ultimately they can serve the team um, a little bit better, um, you know, and, and uh, I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely something that a lot of emphasis is placed on um, in, 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 uh, in Ireland. But, um, you know, I think it, it, it's something that we've got to understand, I suppose, that you know, it, it's maybe a little bit overplayed the significance and and uh, and uh, you know the pressure that's placed on one person's shoulders. The final question I want to ask you about is just your own coaching and your own development. Apart from let's say the coaches in Leinster and Ireland, do you ever look to work with other coaches, maybe in the Premiership or something, in order to see how they do things? Yeah, I, I suppose. Listen, I'm I'm a keen student of of the game and a keen student of coaching. You, you know, um, I wouldn't necessarily say the Premiership. I watch a lot of rugby, and and uh, that's something that uh, you know I would you know enjoy doing. I, I would look to other sports as well. I'd uh, you know a fantastic visit down to uh, I taught Paddy Mullins in in school. Um, believe it or not, and I uh, I went to visit uh, Willie Mullins's yard, and and uh, you know hugely informative in terms of high performance and and uh, you know how small details matter in terms of you know, creating that that winning culture, if you like. Um, you know, equally, I suppose I would still stay in touch with with um, with a, a number of people in New Zealand that I would have worked with. You know, the, the Blues in particular, Tom Coventry and Dan Halangahu are are obviously both coaching over there, and would have spent some time with um, Tanu Maga as well. And and uh, you know, I still stay in touch with them and catch up on on Zooms um, with those guys. But I think really, you know, it's it's about reading. It's about trying to. Um, get your 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 own slant on things um you know there's a huge amount of information out there now particularly over the course of the last uh last number of months with with the lockdown and with people sharing on on zoom and microsoft teams and things like that and whilst i think that's fantastic and it's great to get access to that knowledge it's really important to have your own point of view it's really important to not maybe borrow thinking from others it's a, it's absolutely important to reflect on what you've learned and, and maybe not forget some of the real positive lessons that you you've had prior to uh, to this point but yeah i, I think it, it's really important to, to to stand for something and, and be really clear what you stand for to have a philosophy have a philosophy on leadership have a philosophy on attack on on defense on on coaching processes understanding that that philosophy will grow and will develop and maybe things that you 
steadfastly believe in now might um, you know might evolve over the, over the course of, of, of the next uh, next few years but it'll be an evolution um, you know you shouldn't have a case where you hear something you're like oh yeah that's that's what I want to do now um, you know I really liked what Eddie Jones said there and that's what I believe in and actually oh geez I, I actually I heard uh, heard a podcast there with Stuart and no no that's what I believe in that's not to say that they don't have, have obviously a lot of knowledge and experience it's about understanding that you know you need to develop your own experience and develop your own point of view and and have real conviction and real meaningful conviction in that is there anything that you have put your own spin on from other sports that you've tried to install and it just didn't work or maybe did take off yeah I, I i would say some of the transition stuff from basketball um there's some great clips that um that that i would have found and you know even looking at leeds united and and uh, bielsa how, how they how they react when they turn over possession um you know i think that's an area in, in rugby that we certainly can be better on um you know it, it's it's something that transition how, how quickly you react and whether you can take advantage of you know ultimately it's a race it's a race to reorganize so it's a race for the defence to reorganise and a race for the attack to reorganise. And whoever wins that race is going to be more most effective. So, you know, I would have looked at that in, in basketball in particular, but also, um, you know, in, 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 uh, in soccer. Um, Leeds United, I think, are a good example. Obviously, Liverpool uh, recently with, with Klopp. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that, that's an example of trying to translate one game into another. I think you can learn processes and, and uh, you know, there, there's lots of examples of, of how you can learn. And, you know, within within Ireland as well, we're we're unbelievably lucky. We've got some fantastic high performing teams in GA as well. You know, you look at the longevity of someone like Brian Cody, you look at Jim Gavin and, and high performance and how he managed to keep a team at the top for as long as he did. Um, you know, so there's there's definitely opportunities and lessons for us to learn from from those type of examples as well. Well, Noel, I'd like to say a massive thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast and being so open about everything in coaching. I really appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you, Jeff. Really enjoyed it. Well, that's it from me today, folks. If you'd like to hear more of the Loosehead podcast, you can catch it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to follow, review, and check back in with the next episode. Good luck, and thanks very much. 